Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. It's Friday morning, that means it's time for the weekend review and preview. My guests will recap the week that was, plus offer a look at performance trends within fixed income markets. We will also preview what you can expect in the week ahead and touch on the overall market outlook from the UBS Chief Investment Office. Uh, joining us for the conversation this week, glad to welcome back both Frank Saleo and Barry McAlinden, Senior Fixed Income Strategists with the Americas from the UBS Chief Investment Office. Uh, Frank Barry, welcome back to you both. Thank you for dropping by and looking forward to our conversation. Good morning. So, of course, it was a very challenging week for the markets, and this seems to be a trend. So, Barry, to start us off, can you recap some of the more notable events from this past week and why the markets behaved the way they did? Yeah, I think what was most notable was just the large swings that we did see, in, particularly in the equity markets this week. So, Wednesday marked uh, the worst day for the S&P 500 since going back to June 2020, when it had a 4% decline, and that reverse the 2% rally on Tuesday. Um, I think the main trigger for this week's swing centered on still anxiety over inflation and the impact that it would have on growth. And we had comments from Fed Chair Jerome Powell uh, that emphasized this, but also some bad earnings reports from a large retailer that brought into question on sustainability of corporate profits and the impact that uh, inflation would have on, on corporate margins. So Powell specifically stated that, you know, we need to see growth moving down from the very high levels that we saw last year to a level that is still positive, but will give the supply side a chance to catch up and a chance for inflation to come back down. Um, he also said that there's a number of plausible paths to having a soft or a soft-ish landing was the way that he characterized it. And he said that there could be some pain involved to restoring price stability and that the Fed would need to see clear and convincing evidence that inflation is abating and coming down. Uh, and if they don't see that, they'll have to consider moving more aggressively. So clearly inflation, you know, is front and center uh, for, for the Fed and for their policy. And I think, you know, for the market generally, um, thinking about at what point could the Fed uh, pause on their hiking path, you know, maybe the threshold for that now um, is a little bit more severe, you know, especially based on these comments. Uh, that we that we heard this week, and then yeah, just on the uh, the comments out of the large retailer again, I think that you know that that brought uh, to, the, to the forefront maybe just concerns about growth and concerns about the sustainability of, of corporate profits going forward. So I think that contributed to both the decline in equity markets that we witnessed uh, this week. With you know the S and P 500 is actually on pace uh, to close for its seventh consecutive week of declines, you know, which is uh, historic in, in that regard. Um, so overall, you know, I think those are the two main drivers in the market this week. But it's interesting that, you know, the actual economic data points um, didn't paint quite as gloomy of a, of a picture. And with that, um, I, I could turn it over to Frank, you know, to elaborate a little bit further. Yeah, definitely. Just kind of uh, amplifying and echoing some of the, the comments that Barry just made. Um, it, it definitely uh, this week was characterized by large swings in the market, a, a continued roller coaster ride, and and uh, as Barry alluded to, a lot to do with concerns about inflation. You know, I I run lead on a monthly publication called Yield and Income. It's a multi-authored, multi-asset class report. I write the lead article, and the latest monthly update was published last week, and the lead article is entitled Relentless. 
And that basically refers to the unrelenting rise in Treasury yields that we've seen this year, which is driven, of course, by the unrelenting, persistent signs of stubborn inflation. But this week we saw a shift in thinking, a shift in concern around the question of what is the impact of that unrelenting, stubborn inflation? And at what point do we start to see uh, demand destruction because of higher prices? So this week, there seemed to have been a shift in the narrative of concerns from inflation to growth. And so, you know, as Barry mentioned on Wednesday, the S&P 500 was down 4%. The Dow Jones down 3.6% on weak earnings from Target, which followed weaker earnings from Walmart. Those reigniting concerns that inflation is beginning to hurt consumer spending and possibly hurting corporate profit margins. These were the biggest one-day declines uh, in those major indices since June of 2020 when we were deep in the midst of global pandemic lockdowns. But, of course, those big declines followed big gains on Tuesday. The S&P 500 rallied 2% on strong retail numbers. April retail sales rose 0.9% in numbers released on Tuesday. There was also a large upward revision uh, to the March data. And on Tuesday, that reassured investors, reassured investors that consumer demand will be resilient in the face of inflation. And investors were also reassured by those comments that Barry mentioned from Fed Chair Jay Powell, that the Fed is committed to fighting inflation, but will be pragmatic about it and do whatever it takes If inflation is more persistent, uh, even more persistent than expected, the Fed will get more aggressive. There was a little bit of a uh, whipsawing effect after the last FOMC meeting when the market started to think maybe the Fed will fall further behind the curve. So Jay Powell kind of responded to that, um, but in in more of a reassuring way. But I think, you know, we're continuing to see this roller coaster ride. We get sell offs on evidence of persistent, unrelenting high inflation and potential demand destruction concern. And then we get rallies off the idea that maybe tighter financial conditions are going to do the Fed's job for it. Um, and so, but this week uh, is, is sort of, as we come towards the end of the week, we, futures are indicated for a positive open, but the concerns are still seem to be uh, shifting a little bit towards the, the growth concerns. And this week we did see a flight to quality drive Treasury rates lower, and uh, the 10-year Treasury yield is back below 3%. And as we head to the close of the week, the S&P 500 down 3% so far this week. Uh, Futures are pointing toward a higher open, but the S&P 500 has already had six consecutive weeks of losses, possibly on track for its seventh. And Dan, that would be the longest streak of losses for the S&P 500 in at least 10 years. Meanwhile, the Dow is having its worst streak of weekly losses in 20 years. Well, Frank Barry, appreciate that context there, Frank, though. Thank you both for a comprehensive recap of what was yet another challenging week for investors and helping us make sense as to why the markets behaved the way they did. I do want to pivot over to fixed income markets. I know this is the asset class which you both focus on. So, uh, Barry, curious to hear about how fixed income markets, generally speaking, have been performing over the past few days, and then we'll bring Frank in for this as well, want to hear about how the areas that both of you focus in on specifically have been performing as of late. Yeah, Dan, we have seen credit spreads uh, in both the investment-grade corporate bond market and high-yield corporate bond market that have 
have widened out um, for, for this week again, but on a month-to-date basis, they're about 95 basis points wider in the high-yield market and 13 basis points wider for the investment-grade market. So you'll notice that high yield widened by a greater uh, magnitude. I think that's consistent with uh, some of these growth concerns, you know, being front and center now, as Frank just talked about. And even within uh, both the high yield and investment-grade markets, you look at ratings categories, and you see that triple uh, C-rated high yield bonds have really borne the brunt of the recent widening. You know, those of course are most sensitive to uh, you know sentiment about uh, fundamentals. Um, in investment grade, we've seen triple Bs that have widened a bit more than single A's. Um, so you know, it makes sense uh, that with um, you know growth being uh, something that you know investors are really honed in on, that we saw these types of spread reactions. I think, you know, maybe one positive takeaway more broadly in fixed income this week is that you did have, again, as Frank mentioned, a bit of a rally in, in Treasury yields. We have the 10-year Treasury yield uh, down to about, you know, 2.8% now after having, you know, peaked out for a brief period of time slightly above 3%. So certainly the fact that you get that inverse correlation, especially on days when the equity market is down, I think is some relief, you know, for investors with a a diversified portfolio just to have, you know, some of that, um, that ballast come into play. We, th- we actually do think that you'll continue to see that, you know, based on the higher level of treasury yields, you know, where we've reset to this year, uh, we think it does give you room within the portfolio context to help absorb uh, and, and, you know, provide an offset on days when, you know, equity markets uh, do decline. You could probably see some gains in your treasury bond prices. Um, and then, just to, re- uh, to to wrap up on my side, you know, where we're focused on value. Look, I mean, we have a high conviction in, in the short end of the investment grade credit curve, especially where yields are um, three and a half to four percent, um, especially for individual um, bondholders, you know, where you can um, own an instrument that, that will mature in one, two or three years and can capture these yields. You know, I think in an environment where there's still a lot of uncertainty about you know, how the, the investment path will evolve, you know, that that is a, a place where you can find in, incremental uh, yield um, and, and and preserve capital, you know, uh, in, in that part of the curve. Yeah, and I'll just pick it up from there. And on the, when it comes to preferred stocks, which is the, the area that I focus on predominantly, uh, preferreds are down again uh, in May so far, down by about 2.8% month to date. And on a year-to-date basis, preferreds are down by about 13%. And the preferred sector really is facing its most challenging conditions since the global financial crisis ended 13 years ago. Now, I like to segment the preferred sector into two sub-markets based on par value. You have your $25 par preferreds and you have your $1,000 par preferreds. And when you do that, you see that you know $1,000 par preferreds on a year-to-date basis, are down by about 11%, but $25 Paul preferreds are down by 16%. And the reason for that differential uh, really is the fact that $25 Paul preferreds tend to have fixed coupons, which can be uh, somewhat rate-sensitive, while $1,000 Paul preferreds have more variable rate coupons. But so far in May, there's actually been a shift uh, if I look at month to date by by par value segment, month to date twenty five dollar par preferreds are down by roughly two percent, while thousand dollar par preferreds are down more by three and a half percent. And I think that also reflects a little bit of this narrative shift in concerns that we've been talking about from inflation to growth. 
you know, as, as we look at, as Barry just alluded to, the credit spreads have widened uh, pretty materially this week. The bond markets, the fixed income markets, particularly the credit markets, seem to be uh, joining the equity markets, sort of catching up with the concerns that the equity markets have had uh, over the past few months, which is maybe more of, of growth concerns and recessionary concerns. And in a recessionary scenario, if the Fed actually has to take a, a, a violent pivot from, from tightening to actually aggressively easing under that scenario, then floaters tend to underperform if, if short-term rates are coming down. So the variable rate coupons, which proliferate in a $1,000 par space, would not perform as well. So that could be uh, behind some of the performance differential that we're seeing month to date. But I think the takeaway from these performance differentials is that it's generally a good idea to diversify exposure within the preferred market, diversify among different par value markets, diversify in different coupon types, and diversify your call dates, kind of ladder them out. This way you're prepared for a variety of different market scenarios. Uh, importantly, though, as we look at the outlook at CIO, we do think that the Fed would be able to avoid a recession and that near-term rate risk has peaked. So against that backdrop, preferreds are looking pretty good here. They should actually perform well from here. And at this point, uh, Dan, there is some good yields to be had in the preferred sector. You can get yields of roughly 6%, and, um, and, and you could do that with a variety of different structures. You could do that in a managed portfolio uh, type uh, alternative, a mutual fund, a closed-end fund, ETF, or you could pick individual preferred securities. And I also point out last week, I did publish the latest edition of the preferred top picks monthly update, uh, which has individual recommendations in that report. Well, Frank Barry, thank you for the performance recap with respect to fixed income and the guidance there with respect to allocation. So as we begin to turn focus to the week ahead, a curious as to what the chief investment office's overall market outlook is at the moment in consideration of how conditions have played out over the past few weeks and maybe on a near-term basis looking ahead to next week some events, points of interest that our listeners should be mindful of? Yeah, I'll just start by bigger picture and the outlook at CIO, as I mentioned. We do think that the Fed will, will be able to uh, bring inflation down through a monetary policy uh, tightening with, while avoiding recession. Uh, still, though, we do expect volatility to continue until we see consistent evidence that this unrelenting inflation is actually trending lower. And we do expect uh, that to happen. We expect to see evidence in the months ahead as consumer demand normalizes and as year-over-year base effects cycle through. And I'd also point out in last week's inflation data, we had the CPI and PPI, we did see some early signs of pricing pressures beginning to ease up a bit. Uh, so that's good, and we'll look for those trends to continue in the months ahead. But still, there will be continued headwinds from the Fed we got to keep in mind we have to we have to face the fact that the Fed is aiming to slow down growth until inflation cools. That's their goal, and so that uh, inherently will be a headwind to risk assets. Also, the continued war in Ukraine, as well as China's COVID lockdowns, are all adding uncertainty to the backdrop. But trying to time the time the market is never a good idea. Trying to time the market is ill-advised. Uh, we do expect, as I said, the economy to avoid recession, and we do expect equities to actually end the year higher than they are today. But against the, um, the backdrop, which is filled with uncertainty, we, we recommend uh, and favor value stocks. 
as well as defensive sectors like healthcare, and also uh, we'd recommend looking at commodities and energy stocks, which can provide somewhat uh, of a hedge on inflation. So that's overall sort of the CIO's broader outlook from here. But in terms of um, more near term, what 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 we could look ahead uh, look for in the weeks uh, ahead, I'll, I'll turn it over to Barry. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Uh, so next week, as far as economic data releases go, uh, we do have uh, the durable goods report on on Wednesday. Uh, so we'll, we'll see if there's some moderation uh, occurred in, in April versus uh, the prior month, uh, especially as um, you know consumers uh, shift some of their spending uh, from from durable goods that had been, uh, I think, more of a beneficiary of uh, of the pandemic. Um, on Wednesday, we also get minutes from uh, the Fed's meeting that took place on, on May 4th. I'm not really expecting, I think, too much new to come out of these Fed minutes. Um, you know, recall uh, a month ago, we did get the information about the Fed's uh, plans to shrink its balance sheet, which were first unveiled in the minutes. With that out of the way, I don't think there, there's too much information that will really um, move markets from the minutes. But but certainly uh, any debate among the committee about the potential you know magnitude of, of future rate hikes ahead, I think will be you know closely uh, closely looked at uh, if we see uh, information in, in that regard. And then uh, next week we also get uh, earnings from Costco, which you know ordinarily wouldn't be something I would flag, you know, as far as a preview. But I think in light of uh, you know the the data points we got from Walmart and Target this week, it will, you know, be something that the market will be paying close attention to. Barry Frank, thank you again for dropping by top of the morning today. Very productive conversation to cap off what was a busy week, and it sounds like a lot to look out for in the week ahead. So thank you both again for your time, insights, and looking forward to picking back up with our conversation again soon. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Dan. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend, everybody. Enjoy the weekend, indeed. And again, today we've been joined by Frank Saleo as well as Barry McAlinden, Senior Fixed Income Strategist with the UBS Chief Investment Office. So as a reminder to our clients and our listeners, the UBS Chief Investment Office does author a variety of publications and blogs that touch on timely market developments, asset classes, as well as portfolio allocation. These resources can all be located on UBS.com forward slash CIO, including a few publications that tie right into the commentary we heard from both Frank and Barry this morning. So I'll run through these for you. You have the latest yield and income publication. Uh, That title is Relentless. The latest fixed income strategist publication. That title is Spring Ahead. And the latest preferred securities top picks portfolios monthly update. So for clients of UBS listening in, please be sure sure to contact your financial advisor if you would like to receive copies of all of these publications directly. Top of the Morning is part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us.
UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.